Welcome to Occam's Razor episode, not episode, episode nine. Glad to have you back. It's been a little while. I'm Jim Burchill. Um, with me in the studio today, again, is Mark Capel, investigator. Good afternoon, Mark. How are you? Hello, hanging in there. Thanks, Jim. Just hanging in there for a Saturday. At least it's not raining. For- yes, for five minutes. For five minutes. You've had some pretty interesting experiences recently, I understand, in your quest for the uh, to, or to document the Moyhow man. Tell us about that. Um, I understand you took someone with you this time. Yes, um, I have an area that I closed area um, outside of Auckland. Um, this is a bit strange thing to happen to me or about years or so ago. Um, I would go out to this area, I'd hear like these bipedal footsteps approach. I'd get these feelings of being, um, I would hear this, sometimes like a wood knock kind of sound. A lot of eerie uh, weird kinds of things and uh, how did you first get put onto this area we've, I mean we've covered this before but just for those people who missed the uh, episode your first episode that you came on how did you um, you know find work off the local legend of the Moyhill man well I without revealing too much about yeah, I, I just want to say there's a historical area and I had looked a little bit into history and I like exploring out in the bush and that and I just um, decided hey look I in America, I used to um, go down to the desert, and, and that was neat. And I thought, well, I really want to do this back in New Zealand. And uh, this particular area I had um, researched, and it's um, it's all overgrown. It's, it's surrounded by uh, private land, commercial aspects. Um, it's, it's very close to the public. If you don't know where it is, uh, it would be just about impossible for you to walk into. It's not the kind of area where people would just hike through. It's very secluded. Um, it's, it's got a lot of steep beans uh, in this area, and so it's it's kind of dangerous to go into. Slippery, and uh, I use a machete to go through there. There are no tracks. Yeah. And that's what's neat. It's one of those areas that's that's hidden, and it's like you be there, you're, I've got all this native New Zealand forest there, uh, all the trees, the wood pigeons, and... Uh, and there's even glowworms up at, at, at night in certain parts of this uh, creek area. But uh, I had all these strange things happen, and I started researching about what's going on. And uh, I, I realized that New Zealand has um, what they call Moorhair Man, this, which is New Zealand's Bigfoot. I had no idea that we had our own legend here. Even the Maori talked about it, and the early prospectors, got prospect Coromandel Peninsula, um, they had experiences with what they call a hairy man beast, uh, a man-like beast that they were very terrified of. The Maori uh, locals warned the prospectors uh, around the 17, late 1700s to 1800s of um, going out into the bush at night um, because they warned of um, these wild men um, that are very tight and they could easily overpower any Maori warrior. And as I researched this, I began to think, well, maybe what's going on in this area is related to Moorhead Man. And there are several names um, here in New Zealand and most I can't even pronounce. And um, How long have the reports been coming um, for the, the Moorhead Man? Um, there's... Reports going into the 1800s and earlier, even just with the Maori people, but a lot of like, like some of the prospectors and there was there been hunters looking at you know around uh, around 1920s, 
and, and later, around 1924, they thought, well, this, this sighting might be related to an escaped gorilla off a ship. Yeah. In yep. 1924, Wairau, um, which is over the Coromandel Peninsula. Um, well, that's how myths and legends are born, aren't they? You know, yeah. There's a mistaken identity quite often, more often than not, applying Occam's razor, as we try to do on the show with the named Occam's razor. Um, if we apply that, uh, most likely scenario is that it was a chimpanzee or, or whatever maybe um, was sighted, and the myth went from there. However, when documenting and speaking um, of tales, you know, brought from the indigenous people, the Maori of New Zealand, um, it changes the, the paradigm considerably, and we have to start looking at possibilities, don't you? Which is what which is what you're up to. Well, there's some mountains called um, the Pukimara Roll, um, which basically means the hills of the hairy man in um, the Southern Alps. In fact, I was. T- told by um, Devin, who I took with me. He's um, the, the Maori legends, and he, he knew all about all this stuff. And so it was really fascinating to take him there several weeks ago, and he had some experiences. Uh, what is impossible to say was it an escaped gorilla? However, the footprints that are found are not footprints. They are okay. more human-like. Um, so what's to say they're not a humans? Well, they're very, some of them are very large. Like, for example... Um, Australian cryptozoologist Rex Gilroy um, came over to New Zealand and found these giant fossil, you know, like giant human footprints. Mm-hmm. Um, Did that give some credence to the sort of ancient giant theory that a lot of people, well, that's a that's a theory that's gaining quite a lot of momentum at the moment, isn't it? Did giants once rule the earth and that sort of thing? <coughs> Excuse me. Um that are involved in um, archaeological digs um, and all these giants. And some of these finds get filled in because they go against... Um, accepted science. Accepted science and yep. history, whatever financial reasons or whatever reasons. Because I know um, Graham Hancock, who's quite big in the um, sort of anthropology community and that sort of stuff, he's always talking about um, giants and... You know, was there a giant race that lived before we did, whether they're of alien origin or, or what have you, I don't know, or whether they're just a, you know, species of, of human or just humans, in fact, humans themselves. And they just obviously bred within their own their own situation where you had excessively tall males. Um, uh, until someone produces a concrete concrete evidence of a giant skeleton that can be verified, that's the, the big thing here. Because a few charlatans and showman Barnum sort of people over the years have have, um, have hoaxed you, haven't they? Yeah, unfortunately, you get people that hoax things, and there's you know there's a lot of samples you can find of giant bones mm-hmm. online that are very questionable. Yeah, uh, people like Al A. Mazuli, um, he talked about um, I believe it was Catalina Island. There were these giants that were found on there. But these skeletons, they get taken by the Smithsonian and they go missing. Really? There's also um, the Lovelock Museum up in Nevada apparently had a giant skeleton or giant skull. And these animals just go missing. Uh, and it's really suspicious. Um, you know, is there some sort of conspiracy with um, science, um, uh, some aspect of science that wants to... Because if this stuff comes out, this it may throw some doubt on some of the 
theories, evolutionary theories and that. So um, there's a thought that maybe scientific institutions um, may be concealing evidence or destroying evidence. I think that's um, that's sort of caught the conspiracy beliefs of a lot of people involved in, in this industry, if you could call it. Um, you know, truth seekers, that's probably a euphemistic way to, call, to put it, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's central to it all. What do you personally believe? Well, I think I think there's some truth to what's going on. You have these giant mounds. Um, like everything, there's a grain of truth to it. Yeah, right? where, there's, where there's smoke, there's fire. But where do you sit on the where do you sit on the spectrum, so to speak, of uh, believers versus non-believers? I know you're a guy who's wouldn't be doing this job if you weren't a believer. But are you at the extreme end, or do you do you apply some sort of rationality? Some of the things you you see and hear or experience yourself, even in the in the case of the Moyhow man, for instance, what do you think's going on? Um, I'm looking for answers. I don't know going on. There's something highly irregular going on out there in the New Zealand bush, certain areas. Okay, now you found a footprint, didn't you? I found we found several prints, including. But I mean, recently you've, you've recently, found another yes. one, yeah. Um, I have a I have a research area that I go to, um, which I explained earlier, where I had um, things happen. Like I went out there, I went out there to explore. I didn't go out there chasing any monsters. I grew up here in New Zealand, and you know I never heard of a New Zealand Bigfoot ever before. And it's really weird considering <laughs> my my history, the, the stuff that happened when I was over there. And um, look, I never. I mean, I kind of had an interest in Bigfoot, but was never proactive. Yeah. And I never expected coming back to New Zealand in 2015 to find and experience what I have experienced. It was nice to take um, this man, Devin, with me, um, who has a good grasp on um, the Maori legends of Bigfoot. And uh, I have actually been in communication with him the past couple of years. He's been wanting to join me in my research area. And when I took him out there, um, we heard, well, we heard mm-hmm. some kind of, and I, this stuff got picked up on my audio on my cameras. There was also this strange, almost like a wood knocking kind of sound um, that went off for about three seconds. Um, there was a voice that mimicked me. I was talking to Devin about, there's a series of uh, 12 trees that were torn down, all at the same time, healthy trees. There's no evidence of lightning strikes. Um, it's just a very small area. Um, these healthy big trees, whatever took these trees down was extremely strong. Now, lightning can do it. Um, tornadoes can, can do it. But it was such a small localized area that it didn't look like something a tornado would do. Uh, the leaves would, would have been, if a tornado was strong enough to rip, uh, mature trees down. We have had some pretty wild weather, though, but from what I – and recently, I mean, but from what I understand, I've experienced these tree fellings before and during periods where there hasn't been stormy weather around. Is that right? Yes. Well, I, I can't say about 100% for sure what took these trees down, but it's in this area where all the strange stuff happens, where I get the bipedal approaches – I hear the wood knocks. I, I picked up strange vocalizations. I picked up voices mimicking me. Uh, I was talking about these, the trees that were torn down. This voice comes up on my uh, two of my audio uh, recorders, comes up and says tree. It sounds like a male calling out tree several times, almost like mimicking, copying, copying me. Very weird stuff. And this is the area where I find all these strange footprints. There's little prints, there's big prints. 
Uh, I wouldn't say they're like gigantic, but the area is hard to get into. Um, the only people that go out there now uh, occasionally are the DOC workers who go and set up the um, the predator traps for such as that. But um, and I found uh, the strange symbol that's carved on this tree. Because um, this is this place is starting to sound really Skywalker Ranch, uh, Skywalker Skywalker Ranch, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I'd just be hauled over the coals by all the internet nerds for that one. So sorry, guys, it's Skinwalker. Um, where you've got you know multiple sort of visions and and sightings of strange beasts and you know um, just odd occurrences. And this place is sounding like a hotbed of the paranormal to me. This, I, this, I found this, but. Now, you've, you've referred to your kind of, like a bit of term, empath abilities before. Is yeah. that how you describe yourself? Uh, yes. Or having those having those abilities? I don't get them all the time, but I do now and again. Like, I, I had a close encounter with a craft over in southern Nevada desert, um, outside of Nevada. When I was prospecting, I, I was driving my car, I had this impression to pull over immediately. I, I pulled the car over, I almost had an accident. This density area. Do you mean do you mean fossicking for gold yes. as a prospect? Yes, okay. fossicking for sure. gold. I had my metal detector gear on. I go up and down these rocky ravines. All of a sudden, I see this thing that was highly reflective flew through the mountain, went straight, and I had I couldn't get my camera out fast enough. Um, so your your feeling is that your you know these entities, whatever they are, make themselves known to you. Well, through your some sort of connection to them. Yes, is that right? there's definitely a They use you as a vehicle or a messenger to, to... Well, it's either either them sending a message or maybe something inside me, mm-hmm. some form of ESP that's picking up on stuff. Now, Jacques Vallée has talked about the psychic aspect of this phenomena. And once it's touched you, it can actually follow you throughout your life. And that's the same with, um, you know, George Knapp, who um, wrote, a, wrote a book about uh, co-author Don Carla, um, who was a senior research scientist, um, uh, investigator, reporter, and author. Um, now, he's a fellow who's involved with the Bob Lazar yes. do- documentary on Netflix. Yes, he wrote a story yeah. on Bob Lazar. Okay. But he has talked about there's a piggyback effect with this phenomena. Uh, there was a physicist um, who was one of the scientists at Skinwalker Ranch, um, Eric Davis. Um, he started having strange... Like this, whatever's going on in Skinwalker Ranch influenced him. Like you started getting messages, and he's a hardcore scientist. He's never had this happen before. Stuff started happening to him. They started happening to other people that would leave or follow them to their homes, even. So I think that some of what may be going on in Skinwalker Ranch now, have you seen that UFO footage that I showed you? I suspect highly that this stuff is connected because how is it that in a minute 50? of recording on when I was in the Coromandel, when I was going doing B-roll video footage, how was it I caught these craft on camera at that very time? Mm. Multiple craft doing things one craft can do, highly interesting to do. Now, I've, I've seen that video myself. Um, have you shared that? Now, your website's hauntedman.net, is that correct? Correct. Correct. And you've got quite a following on YouTube, haven't you? Yeah, I've got. I mean, it's not a huge channel, but I've got. I've got a, you know, a few followers. You've had fifty odd thousand looks. Um, yeah, is have, is um, the recent footage up on YouTube? Um, was that something you want to keep to yourself? There's a small snippet of it of where one of the sources is flying along, um, and it does a mid air flip, mm. and in like like a frame, it actually flips while traveling over Mark Three. 
Yeah. There's no there's no sonic boom. And behind the hill, all these um, the synonymous craft actually go behind the hills trying to insects or birds, you know. I mean, if something was straight in front of the lens of the camera, that would be fair game to say, well, that was an insect. Because um, are moving incredibly fast. They appear to be uh, manufactured, some sort of manufactured object, the tool source of. There were also like um, like balls of light. This, this is really... I think I, I captured a gold mine. What so regardless of what's going on there, it's, a, it's a, as you say, a gold mine for something he wants to... Oh. Once explain the unknown, you know. How was it that I got this footage? I mean, yeah. I tell you what, camera crews can go out hours. I mean, I used to be part of UFO Hunters and um, over in Las Vegas, and we would go out for hours with night vision cameras, trying to record stuff. Getting something like that is not easy. No. So I think that you can use what you call it, gut feeling, intuition, um, and sometimes it helps me, and I, and I suspect, highly suspect the area in New Zealand. I heard that um, recording um, when I was doing paranormal investigation in Auckland City. All of a sudden, I get this voice that tells me to accept the Bigfoot people, big people, strange, not a normal voice, and it repeats itself. And I think it had no idea. That, just explain that from what I understand, you were making a video or you were directed to a building in downtown Auckland by these spirits or entities or whatever you want to call them. Um, and the building, if, for those who don't know, the geography is quite far removed from the area of the Moyhow Man, for instance, we were talking. So it's not the kind of place you'd see some eight foot uh, hominoids walking down yeah, the, the street, the would place. you? That's yeah. Place. So, so what's the connection with these entities? Um, and well, what's the connection with these entities in particular? Um, and why do they want you to know about them being uh, there? I don't think they have a connection to the building. I think they, they knew that I was looking for, because I've been over by Skinwalker Ranch, they know that I want answers and mm-hmm. I'm really interested. And besides my, his, my history with all But what I mean is why would they come and effectively, you know, hit you up in a place so far removed from where you are, where they are or suppose? We have, from my understanding is, at least some of them have interdimensionalities, mm-hmm. supernatural ghost-like abilities, and this is stuff that I knew nothing about at the time. I, when I first had something over at Skinwalker Ranch that I thought was Bigfoot, I had no idea that they had these kinds of abilities. But if you hear this voice, it repeats itself. Um, I, I guess my ears are pretty good because I've been listening to a lot of EVPs and that. But to me, it's pretty, pretty plain and clear that it says Bigfoot um, and talks about accepting the Bigfoot people. And somehow... You've probably heard of astral travel. Yep. Uh, you know, maybe... maybe so projecting themselves. Yeah. And- well, maybe they're traveling in, like, an astral form. Mm. Now, I don't know. It's just a guess, but it's... Well, as- astral travel's always been uh, linked with dimensional travel, isn't it? It's similar. They, they say if you can, you know, like shamanic people and stuff like that, they say they can project themselves or even just travel to different dimensions by sort of using their mind and, and refocusing... Um, their energies and that sort of stuff. I tried to do it myself. I I actually got a book out once called, I think it was called something as basic as how to travel to different dimensions. And it was written by, it was written by a, a writer who was tied in with a, some sort of guru, some sort of Indian healer or uh, you know, something similar anyway. Um, and I tried all the techniques in the book, closing your eyes on the chair to, to basically transport you to whatever, time and space you wanted to go to um personally nothing happened for me 
But um, you know that's sort of what you're going, the road you're going down. You think these these entities are from a different realm or, or dimension, and they forward between dimensions, or are they in our dimension, but they have the ability to move? I I, sus- I suspect they're different to regular ghosts. You know, we know ghosts. I've seen ghosts. Uh, I think there's a bit of think people need to be sort of disconnected a bit from the Bigfoot and a ghost because to most people they would be completely different things even if they were believers in the panels what's a connection there well the thing is is uh, as people people Bigfoot researchers like myself uh, they actually go to the areas and that they'll start having strange things can happen sometimes the footprints will just be in the middle of nowhere um, sometimes there's strange lights that are associated um, I had, look, for example, I had something walk up to me. I did not see it. Um, there was a movie that came out, um, Missing 411 Hunters. Um, I'm trying to think of the name. Um, uh, Bruce McAbee's wife, um, who's the one that, uh, Bruce McAbee is the uh, former Navy physicist. That, of course, yeah. Yeah, looked at the Kokura yeah. lights, examined that. Well, his wife was out hunting by the Arctic sands quite high up off the ground. Apparently, there was some kind of semi-transparent entity that came and approached her. And it looked what did like, the entity look like? Uh, it was some sort of something was semi-transparent, almost like uh, in that movie Predator. It's in Predator. Okay, when it cloaks itself, yeah, sort of. Yeah. And Arnie puts all the mud all over himself. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So something that's kind of like kind of like that. Um, and um, she, they had mentioned in the in the documentary that. About the time that happened, a craft had come down by the local high school. It was really close to that area at that time that happened. So is there a connection to... There have been people like um, researcher Stan Gordon over in Pennsylvania put out a book on the connection between Bigfoot and UFOs. And um, there were books where police have been called out and very interesting... um, People had fired at these things that were, let's just say, they like Bigfoot. They had, like, red eyes. They made strange, very strange sounds. Very much uh, they sound like Bigfoot. They would, some people would shoot them. I mean, near point-blank range, and the shot of them. It happened over at Skinwalker Ranch. Mm. So, and, and, and craft was seen with these things coming off. So what you're saying is kind of like a, like Luke Skywalker pro, uh, projects himself in the last... Film, um, to it's kind of a big lightsaber battle, but he can't kill him because he's not actually there. You're, these entities are projecting themselves into our dimension, and that's why they can't be killed by conventional weapons and things like that. So, I you don't know, I know. <laughs> in this, it's speculation, isn't and it? It's, so, it's all speculation. I mean, yeah. look at people's accounts and try to uh, figure uh, something out from all that. And there's the eye wolf that got shot over at Skidmore Ranch with. Um, uh, I thought was it was a 357 Magnum and hunting rifle that did not take down this large wolf that attacked one of the baby, one of the calves in the corral on the prop. That was one of the first, I believe that was one of the first things that happened. Um, that ranch moved. Um, the, uh, that was an example of um, these things not being harmed. Um, th- there was another incident you might skim off a run. They saw one of these entities in the trees, large eyes. Um, the uh, the farmer uh, Terry Sherman was a uh, a very good shot. He, he, uh, he was a very good marksmanship. Marksmanship sure. is what we want to say. And he had this thing, and it came down the tree, fell down, and was seen. Um, 
it, it was like it had completely disappeared. Um, there's a lot of stuff like that. So that's why I question and say, well, maybe what's going on here is, is interdimensional. Uh, what I've experienced. Did you hear from them again, the Bigfoot people? Was it just once? I've had some weird things after after what what happened out in the bush. Strange things started happening in the home when I was married. Things would move, start to move in the house, um, and even my ex kind of saw some weird stuff going on. I look, I nearly, I nearly, I nearly different vacation interaction because I was on panels. Something, some shadow, some kind of shame up, shoved something to my heart area, and. Yeah, was I hallucinating? I nearly died, and it's I, hard. It's hallucinate nearly dying, though, isn't it? <laughs> well, something, some kind of shadow creature came up to me, shoved something in my area. The ambulance people showed up, and they looked at what had happened, and they surprised I was still alive. Mm. So I was alive, preserved by one of these beings. Mm. I think there's all kinds of things, and knowing. What you know, Bigfoot, or could there be both ones that are flesh and blood? Are there the ghosts of Bigfoot? But See, I'm more inclined to believe um, the flesh and blood theory. Uh, that some, see, I think there's some sort of experimental, um, you know, hybrid um, gone wrong, escaped from a lab, that old cliche. Um, but I wouldn't rule as you say, and we're starting to learn so much more now about. Um, you know, black holes and and um, wormholes and, and the ability to travel into you know, revelations recently from Bob Lazar about the propulsion systems of of UFOs and and their ability to to hop in and out of rooms. Um, that's kind of the way I would look at. It. I'm open. I'm open to the possibility, but I think raw data is more suggestive of being, you know, uh, of cryptid, um, you know, patrolling the forests of North America and the legends grown and grown and that sort of thing after a while. Um, I suppose, you know, it's a, a lot of it comes into a balancing act, um, balancing the past, you know, legends, what you, legends in every culture, isn't it, versus today that people are still talking about, or is it just that people love a good ghost story, so to speak? Oh, I mean, they could have, um, I mean, I talked to some of the American Indians who talked about this predator aspects of some of these beings. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I remember uh, some show, I forget what it was, um, uh, maybe in something, but I remember one of the Native Americans uh, around the fire talking about Bigfoot. And he basically said, now this didn't make any sense to me, but he said that they could be right next to you and you would not know it. Now, after what I've had happen to me out in the bush there, and I talked to a, a hunter who has an experience like me, um, it's starting to make some sense. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds crazy. It really does. But when you, And then you get these footprints that just disappear, like this track stop. And that, that is one of the things when... People go into Bigfoot research, what it field research. It can happen where you just have these these footprints um, that will just disappear. Like in the side, for example, I know like uh, Mike Patterson over in Canada. He's had that. He's found these these giant prints, and, and some of them even had like samples, you know, like a little bit of dirt um, on the actual print. This is in you know thick snow where there's no exposed dirt, which is kind of really interesting. But there's a lot of these really weird aspects to our, what I'll use word phenomenon. Mm. But there's that 
can't explain by normal means. Mm-hmm. And so this is where I think, um, like Ron Moorhead, um, who does a sounds uh, track that had the recording of um, the, the supposed what's over the Sierra Mountains. He, I've, yeah, for anyone listening, if you heard those recordings, are quite interesting. They can be found on YouTube. Um, it's almost like they're speaking sort of a Creole English kind of language, aren't they? Yeah, High pitched sort it's of. Called, called samurai chatter. It sounds almost like a Japanese person. Yeah. But they were mimicking them. They were calling out to these voices, and these voices were responding back. I'm getting similar in my area as mm. to what they were having happen, and I'm getting strange language coming through as well. Mm-hmm. Some of my audio recordings, and so I want answers. I want to understand what's going on. Mm. But it's a very elusive. Oh, excellent. What next uh, for the Moyhow man? You're going to keep making visits over the summer and stuff. Yes, yeah, I'll do that. Um, I know, I know where most of his activities. I have narrowed it down to a small area. What where this stuff is happening? How big's the area approximately? A couple hundred meters. Okay. I, I, I That's found, pretty precise. I it? found the epicenter of act- where all this activity is happening, and there's a lot of other things that are going on. It's not just one or two things. There's this several things. One piece is the jigsaw puzzle. Uh, like when I took Devin out last time, he realised that this is actually really bizarre what's going on. Uh, uh, normal people just from this area. I suppose I'm just going to have to see it for myself, aren't Yes, I? yes. And, and you ever change when you have those kinds of experiences. Uh, and I make sure my camera's on, doesn't yeah. run out of batteries, and right, right. all the usual stuff you see. Um, I do get battery drains, like I'll charge up the battery, it should last me two hours, only last me half an hour. Yep. Often that happens on when you do paranormal investigations. I get a lot of um, electronic voice phenomena when I'm out there as well. Um, I've got strange languages, I've just, there's so much going on. Uh, I've had, I've heard voices live, I had like the voice approach, sound like a female, and I tried to mimic her. And then it kind of like stopped, but there's a lot of weird stuff going on. It's almost like, I'll say, it's almost like another Skinwalker Ranch without so much like the UFO stuff. But I've, I've seen that tree anomaly. Um, I got something up. There's a tree that has a very strange symbol on it. Um, and I, I didn't notice at the time there's some kind of anomaly up this tree that didn't fit in at all, didn't look, didn't belong in a, in a forest. And so... Um, I try to debunk what I'm doing, um, but I'm getting more when I'm, I'm out there. That's good. At least you got a passion, right? This comes to worse, you're getting some exercise and enjoying the native bush. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's to that. Absolutely. Well, that's we've come to the end of another episode of Comes Razor, episode uh, nine. Sorry, I've been a little bit sluggish and put things the breaks when you got a full time job, and as and a side business as well. So, <laughs> thanks for coming in, Mark, and. Uh, I think so. We're going to have uh, Roger from Mufon back on again, Roger Stankovic. So you're more than welcome to sit in for that, and uh, we can um, attack him with questions on the recently released naval video. Or well, no, it's not recent release, but the Navy's uh, recent admission that they don't turn on, and ne- neither do we. And that's comes raises around. So that was episode nine. Thanks for stopping by.